Wow, we do love these guys, um, Scott and Susan and their family, and we've gotten to know the Bo Cornies, we've gotten to know Laura and Bryant, and it, it's just really fun for us to be here. Um, there, I can't understand, Linda and I, three years ago, had the opportunity to move from, uh, from Houston, where we were, and I was in a church there, uh, to go to Amarillo, where Scott grew up. How many of you know that Scott grew up in Amarillo? Like three of us, four of us. Um, and I don't understand why you would choose to live here with the trees and the lush beauty of the rivers and the streams and the hills and not live out where the wind blows all the time and there's no trees and it's just flat. I don't understand that. Okay, well, that wasn't very good, but um, I had fun. So how's everybody? Everybody doing good? They're going to pass out a little sheet. You won't need to look at it for a while. But we always love coming here uh, to be with the Churneys and to go eat one of my favorite barbecue places ever, um, Grand Zines. So I hear that you've got Coopers now. Um, so I still like Grand Zines. Okay, so <clears throat> this morning, Linda and I uh, got up after going, uh, we were involved with a wedding up in the Austin area, and we got up early and we went to a place that I had heard about, uh, the Blue Bonnet Cafe in Marble Falls, because we were kind of staying out near there. You've been there. Pretty good stuff, huh? And so I love to have eggs and bacon and biscuits or toast um, for breakfast, and breakfast is a big deal to me. I, I love breakfast. But if I don't have eggs and bacon and, and toast um, and, and fruit like we normally do, then I like to have a bowl of life cereal. Life is good. Wheaties is good. Life is better. So this morning, if I were to title this message... I would title it, How Do You Spell Life? How do you spell life? Do you spell it L-I-F-E? It's not going to be an advertisement about cereal, so I just wanted to use that as a visual. Um, but how do you spell life? Do you spell it L-I-F-E, or do you spell it another way? And you'll, you'll understand, I'll explain as we go along what I mean by that, because we're going to look at a story of a man who spelled life differently than L-I-F-E. And uh, one of the things, this is just kind of a sidebar, but we're going to look at this story of a, of a guy that Jesus met. And every single one of us has a story. Lisa, you have a story. I haven't even met you. I just met you. Um. We all have stories to tell. Sometimes people think, well, my story's not all that interesting or not that big of a deal. But really, it is a big deal. Every single one of us has a significant story to tell. And so if you will grab your Bible or your smartphone and turn to John 5, we're going to look at this story together. Open up your smartphone. John 5, your Bible, John 5. And, and we're going to climb into this story and, uh, that happened 
couple of thousand years ago and look at, uh, at the story of this man who was trapped, he was frustrated, he was discouraged, and then Jesus came along. And uh, I can really relate to this guy in a lot of ways, and I think you will be, to, be able to relate to him as well. Okay, John 5. Let's set the stage. So, Jesus had come back to a city called Cana. And who knows what happened? You can just say it out loud. Who knows what happened in Cana one, one time, his first miracle that he did at a wedding, as a matter of fact, Linda, in the city of Cana. Water into wine. Awesome, awesome deal. I like it. And uh, so Jesus comes back there, and he does another miracle two times. Uh, he did a miracle there in that city. And then as we pick it up here, it says that he went up because Jerusalem is higher. He went up to Jerusalem. And he went up there because there was a feast going on, a Jewish feast. And so thousands of Jews were coming into Jerusalem at this time for this feast. Now, we don't know. It doesn't say what the feast was. Adrian, it doesn't. We, we don't know. Was it the Feast of Passover or the Feast of Tabernacles. There's a lot of conjecture about which feast it was, um, but we don't know for sure. Um, but it was a big feast. And so Jesus goes up to this, to this uh, city, Jerusalem. And uh, when he got there, it says um, near the Sheep Gate, there was a pool. And the name of the pool was, it's got like three different names. Bethesda, some people in some of your translations refer to it as, um, as Bethesda, the pool of Bethesda. Some of you have a translation that says um, Bethsaida. Others, tra- other translations um, say it's, and I don't even know how to pronounce this, Scott. You can give it a shot. Bethsaida. <laughs> well, anyway. Um, <laughs> It meant the house of the olive tree. And olive oil today is very, um, you know, healing and cleansing. We use it a lot in cooking nowadays, and it's, it, it's, a, it's a good thing. So anyway, the main point is that Jesus goes into this pool, and there are all of these people spread out, and they're blind, they're lame, they're invalids, they're paralytics, and they're just like... Out underneath these alcoves, these big columns were there to protect them and give them protection from the sun. And it was a little cool there. And so of all the people that were there, it doesn't say how many, but I think there were a lot. And of all the people, Jesus singles out this one guy. And he walks over to this one guy. And it's very interesting. He knows, it says here, that... um, that Jesus knew that he was an invalid and that he had been a paralytic for 38 years. That's kind of interesting. How did Jesus know that? I think there are three different ways, maybe. One way is that somebody came along, Scott came along and said, hey, Bob, there's this guy over here, and he's he's an invalid. He's a paralytic. And he's been that way for 38 years. So... A friend could have told Jesus about this guy being sick for 38 years. Or the Father in heaven could have whispered it to Jesus, and he could have known just that kind of relationship that they had. Or being the God-man, 
um, Jesus could have just known, discerned that this guy was there and he'd been sick for 38 years. But 38, can you imagine that? I mean, we're sick or we're going through a difficulty or something for, you know, 38 days or, uh, you know, several months. And, and, and it's frustrating, isn't it? If you've ever been sick, if you've ever been like laid up in bed or in the hospital or something for several weeks or, or whatever, man, it, it's really frustrating. So this guy, we don't know much about this man. We don't know what he did. We don't know about his family or anything like that. We just know that he was an invalid. He was probably paralyzed, and he'd been that way for 38 years. So um, the pool rule where he was was everybody for himself or herself. You, you, you got to get in the pool, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But he was, he was lame. He was paralyzed. He was totally dependent on other people. And... Um, I would think, we don't see it here, but I would think that that guy would be frustrated and maybe a little discouraged um, about life. I mean, just frustrated about being an invalid. You know, other people are out there having fun and they're having parties and they're going out to Grand Zines for barbecue and, and all those kind of fun things that they got to do back in the day. And he's on his mat. He's just laying around. I would think he'd be a little bit frustrated, a little bit discouraged. You know, every time he wants to get well, as we're going to see, um, somebody else got in the water. And so his, his hope gauge, kind of like the fuel gauge, his hope gauge was pretty low at, at that point, I would think. And uh, so uh, first question for you. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been, when, or not if, when was the last time that you were a little bit frustrated? When was the last time you were a little bit discouraged? When was the last time that you were, you know, just a, a little bit disappointed? I'll tell you the last time that, that I was. Um, a week ago, some of my buddies, about 10 of us from, from our church in Amarillo, we went fly fishing. So down here... Um, I don't know if you fly fish or, or, or not, um, but in Amarillo, lots of guys fly fish and go to New Mexico and Colorado. We went to Colorado, southern part of, of Colorado, and uh, we were fishing this particular river. It was beautiful, just like the aspen are turning yellow. It was just like awesome. Uh, and, and so I went out the first day, and I caught none. So everybody's coming back that night, and we're around the campfire, and we're grilling out, and we're having steaks, and we're eating and telling them, that, you know, I'm hearing story after story after story. Golly, man, I got into them today. You know, I got like 10, 11. Somebody else said, that's nothing. I got 15. Somebody else like, man, I got this monster. I got a hog, you know, on my line. And, and I'm hearing these stories, and I'm just like, great. I am a loser. <laughs> I'm a fly fishing loser. And... Um, so that was the first night. Second day, go out, and I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, I, I, I'm going to go with this guy who is like an avid fly fisherman, and he, um, if he, he tells me, if I weren't married, I'd be living in my truck, and I'd be guiding on the river fly fishing. 
he's that good and he's that kind of a guy. And I go out with him thinking, okay, he's got the magic going on and I will be with him and he'll show me right where to throw them and what to use and tie the flies, help me tie the flies. I came back that night, loser. <laughs> I didn't catch one, not one. I mean, I, I think I invented this new spray, fly fishing spray. It's called trout repellent. <laughs> I've never gone fishing, have I, Linda? I've never gone fishing either out in, in the bay when we lived in Houston, uh, wade fishing or bass fishing. Or I've never gone and not caught at least one. So anyway, it's nothing like this man, but that was the last time I was a little bit frustrated, a little bit discouraged, a little bit disappointed. We had a great time. We laughed a lot. But when was the last time you were discouraged? Can you kind of climb into this guy's life? And so Jesus comes up to him, meets him, sees that he's been in this condition for 38 years, and he asks him a question. What's the question that he asked him? Do you want to get well? Are you serious? <laughs> I, think, I think that's ridiculous. I think that's the craziest question that he could have asked. What do you mean, do you want to get well? Of course he wants to get well. Don't you think that's hilarious? I think that's so funny that he would ask him. Here he is at the pool wanting to get well. And Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Do you really want to get well? I mean, I, I looked up a couple of other, what I think are funny uh, questions. If God sneezes, what do you say to him? I think that's a pretty ridiculous, crazy question. Or, <laughs> or if, you're, if somebody is born on February 29th, think about that, February 29th, do they stay the same age for four more years? I mean, just ridiculous questions. Okay. I think this is a crazy question. Or is it? He looks at the man and he says, do you want to get well? And I think he was going to the very core of this man's being. And asking not just an obvious, do you want to get well, but a really deep do you really want to get well? Now, what's the guy say? Notice he really doesn't answer Jesus. It's kind of interesting. He answers and he says, well, you know, every time that, uh, that I, I, every time I want to get into this water in the pool, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water's stirred up. While I'm trying to get in, somebody else goes down ahead of me. That was his answer. He never really answered Jesus. I, I think that's kind of, hmm, really? So what's going on there in their dialogue, in their con conversation? What I think is going on is that this man spells life I-F. If. If only, if only somebody would get me into the water, then I would be well and I would be healed. If only I could get into the water first, then, 
then I could be better. And, and so I think that man spelled life, I-F, if. And without going hard on this guy, I think we do the same things. I think sometimes um, we spell life, I-F. I think sometimes we, um, we blame other people. Sometimes we blame ourselves. Sometimes we're putting the, the, the onus on, on if only she or if only he or if only they or if only I. Think, think with me about this. Think about your own life. Think about some of these kind of, uh, of statements. If only I knew the Bible as well as Scott Chernigle, then I would really be uh, a kind of a Bible scholar around, uh, around New Braunfels, and people would really think that I knew the Word of God. Um, if only I were married, then I would be happy. I know people that have that, that, that kind of if only. If only I were married, man, my life would be so happy. Here I am, stuck, trapped, as a single person, and, and life just kind of sucks sometimes. So we, we, we do that sometimes. Um, if only my wife or my husband were different than he or she is, then I would really have a good marriage. Um... If only I had more money. If only I got this promotion. If only I had a different job. If only I lived in this house. If only I drove that car or that truck. Then, oh, man, people would recognize. And, and we compare ourselves to other people and how much money they make. Or maybe we don't know how much, but they live in this house and they drive that vehicle. And... And so we're comparing ourselves with other people. What, you know, if only, if only, if only, if only my parents weren't so stinking lame and strict, then, um, then I'd be happier. If only he would quit drinking, then maybe our marriage would be better. There are a lot of if onlys that we play in our heads and in our hearts. Um... If only I could win. How many of you know what The Voice is? That TV show. Really a kind of a cool show. If only I could win The Voice, then my family would be taken care of. Um, I have a friend whose dad died uh, at a very, you know, when he was very young. And uh, he said to me one time, if only my dad hadn't died, then I think I'd be a lot better a lot more uh, together than than I am. So we blame things. We do that too, just like this guy did. It's not my fault. If only he, or if only she, and we spell life uh, if a lot of times, don't we? I mean, just being honest. So, it's interesting to me too. When I think about this man, his ifs or his if onlys. were legit. For him, they were true. If only someone would get me into the water. If only I could get into this pool, then I would be healed, Jesus. So for him, he, you know, it was kind of legit. But, but he blamed 
his circumstances on somebody else. If only that he would not, he wasn't taking responsibility. It's not, I mean, in essence, he was saying, it's not my fault that I'm not healed. It's not my fault that I'm an invalid. It's not my fault that I'm a paralytic. If only, if only. And so how, if, if we're in that, if that's how we spell life, how do we get out of that? How do we move out of that? Um, I think the first thing, it, it's pretty simple, and all of it is about saying, yes, Lord Jesus. It's about our relationship with him. But I think the first thing is to just admit, A-D-M-I-T, admit that we've got a problem. Admit that, you know, for me to admit, I've got an issue. I've got a problem. We're all messed up, <laughs> aren't we, in one way or another? We are. And so the first thing, as I, as a pastor, you know, as I talk with a lot of people and as I hear a lot of stories, um, a lot of people are putting the blame on other people, on the wife, on the husband, on the father, the mother. Um, and, And so we have to just admit and be honest and not blame other people, um, but be honest about what's going on with us. And if we start there, then we allow Jesus to begin to heal us. The second thing is to trust Jesus. That, uh, and we sang about how good he is today. I think, to me, that was the theme of, of worship, how good he is, how faithful he is. And, um, and, and, and so just like this man... We trust Jesus. We trust that he'll do what he says he'll do. Um, so the, the first way that this man spelled life was I-F. The second way that he spelled it was L-I-E. So if you want to, you know, cover up the L and, and the E, the first way he spelled it was if. And then the second way he spelled it was covering up the F. L-I-E. <laughs> that one broke down. Um, so he says, if only I can get into the water. Now, what was up with the water? Well, this pool supposedly had this magical, mysterious healing power in it. And some translations, some manuscripts say that the angel of the Lord would come and stir the water. And if you got into the water then you would, you would be healed, okay? The problem with that is that the earliest, best manuscripts that we have do not have that in it, okay? I'm just giving a little bit of history here, biblical history. The earliest don't have that story. So in my humble opinion, I think, this is Babo here, I think it was a legend. I think that it was a rumor. I think that something happened and the water bubbled up, like maybe at Pagosa Springs, Colorado, or Hot Springs, Arkansas, um, that was warm, Glenwood Springs, Colorado, that was warm. And, and if you got in, it, it was kind of you know medicinal, kind of healing. And um, that, that's my, my impression, my interpretation, my understanding, that there really wasn't an angel. I mean, there could have been. But in either case, he believed that. And it was a lie. And he thought this lie uh, was preventing him from, uh, from getting healed. 
That's what was going on, and that's why I say that he spelled um, life not only I-F, but L-I-E. And uh, for us, Satan is the father of what? Lies. He deceives us. He deceives us in different ways. A lot of times it's obvious to us that we're being deceived. A lot of times it's not very obvious that we're being deceived. But he, the evil one, the, the demonic realm is real. We don't have to be afraid, but we have to be aware of what lies, what deception is coming into our heads and into our hearts um, that, that he throws our direction because we kind of believe what is in there. And what I mean by that, uh, an example, is if we believe the, the lie, hey, I'm, I'm just, a lot of times we'll hear it in the first person. I'm not good enough. Um, God knows all of the darkness of my heart. If only you knew what I was like. If only you knew what I had done. If only you knew the real me, then you would never have me in your church and uh, because I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for God. I'm not good enough for my wife. I'm not good enough. And we believe that lie. Now, we all have dark stuff. And the truth is, if we all knew the darkness in our hearts, none of us would be worthy of being in here. But God loves us and accepts us and forgives us, and, and it's amazing uh, what he does. Or, here, here's another one. You know... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not being asked out. I'm a single person, and, and I, nobody's asking me out because I'm not pretty enough. Or, I, I, you know, I really, really uh, have, have just kind of always believed that, that I was a loser and that I'd never be good enough. My dad just kind of said periodically, uh, you'll never amount to anything. And, and I guess that's true, and uh, that's why I can't keep a job. Or... You're a failure at everything you do, or I'm a failure at everything that I do. Um, And and so whatever the lie is to you, it's important to admit that, to believe, not to believe it, but to admit it and to recognize it, recognize that that's just not true. That's not how God sees you. That's not how God values you. Um, what he says about us is on this sheet of paper that you got. And I, I want to look at a couple of them, and I would like for you, these are true. As Christ followers, these are true. These are, are statements of who we are in Christ as followers of Jesus. And, and the first grouping is all about us being accepted by God the Father. And the second grouping is how secure we are. That we, that we have security in, in the Lord. And the third uh, grouping is, is how significant we are. This is free. But I think um, we all want to be secure and we all want to be significant. But men, guys, we tend to want to be significant or important. That, that's what we live for. We want to be recognized. We want to be important. And women, gals... You want to be secure. And so we both want the same thing, but, but men tend to, to want to, you know, 
be recognized and, and important and women uh, have the security. Okay, so here are some things that just blow the lies of the enemy clear out of the water. Things like this first statement. John 1.12 says, I'm God's child. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. And he, he thinks I'm pretty hot stuff. He does. He thinks you're just awesome and amazing. And the evil one tries to deceive us, and you're nothing, you're a loser. Um, and, and so what are some other things on this page? If you don't mind, this is going to blow the, the sound thing. And, but, but what are some things, what's one of those truths about you that kind of jumps off the page for you? Anybody? Romans 8.28, which says? There you go. All work together for good. Yeah, thank you. Yep. What else? Yes. Keep going. That's right. These are all so true. They're absolutely true. Keep going. You can walk on each other. It's okay. What else? Free from condemnation. Yep. Direct access, absolutely. So these are truths. These, these are the truth from God about who you are, who I am. And so whenever you begin to kind of feel down and discouraged and frustrated and, and, and you're just being deceived about who you are, grab hold of this and go back and read those, those verses and, and hold on and maybe even say them out loud um, of, of, of what's true. Um, a year ago, not this summer, but a year ago, uh, I went in for my physical, and uh, my doctor called me that afternoon. So we got the lab report back, and um, your uh, PSA is extremely high. I need to send you to a urologist. So he sent me over to a urologist. They uh, did a biopsy and found out that I had uh, prostate cancer, and it was at a very advanced stage. Um, and required surgery. So um, Lynn and I made a trek, uh, a couple of different treks, down to Houston, down to the med center. And I thankfully, uh, through a friend of ours in the medical field, got, um, got into one of the finest um, cancer, uh, uh, prostate cancer uh, surgeons in the world. Um, as I found out later, he didn't tell us this, but found out later on that um, people fly in and have him do their surgery from Istanbul and Singapore and Russia and just all over the world. And so I'm very, very thankful that, that I got to, to, and I just saw God's hand in that. And uh, uh, it, it was a scary time. But then 
about a week or two after I heard that I had cancer, a friend of mine down in Houston, long-term friend, uh, like Scott and I have, this guy, his name is John, and he called me up and he said, uh, hey, Bobby, he calls me Bobby, Bobby, hey, my daughters and I are going to climb Wheeler Peak, which is the tallest peak in in, uh, New Mexico, and we want you to go. And I had just heard a week before, maybe two weeks before, uh, about the report. And I said, uh, John, man, I would love that. I love hiking. I love, you know, all, all of that. But let me tell you what I just found out. So I told him, I said, I'm going to need to find out from my doctor if I can even go. And um, so I, I called the doctor, and he said, you know, I, I said, can I go on this on this trip? And he said, I don't know why not, man. If I were in, in your shoes, I'd go. And uh, I'm like, cool. So I went hiking. And up at the top of the mountain, we, it, we, we hiked up, we set up a base camp, and then we hiked all the way to 13 and some change. And then on the last day, we were coming down. And as we were coming down, about an hour into it, something like that, we start climbing again. And in, and I said, John, what is up with this, pal? I thought we were going down. We're going up. And he said, trust me, Bobby, uh, it, it looks one way, but we're really going down. And I'm not kidding. Three or four minutes later, I just, in my head, in my heart, in my spirit, I hear this, trust me, Bob. It looks one way, but I know what's going on. And you can trust me. I've got you. And... It was the Lord. It was the Lord just whispering that to me. And all of the confusion, all of the deception, all of the lies, all of the what-ifs, because when you, you know, I mean, I'm healthy. I'm 45 years old, plus a few years. (laughs) And I thought, I'll never have cancer. You know, that's for somebody else, but I'm dealing with cancer and and what if this happens or that? And, and when I heard the Lord's just whisper, it was just a whisper. Bob, trust me. I've got you in this. I know it looks one way, but I've got you. And that and the word of God has just kept me the whole year on track in trusting him. So um, one other story. A, a good friend of mine uh, back in, in the Amarillo area He's a great guy. Uh, he uh, was, was a pastor and had uh, the biggest nightmare of his life uh, a year ago when he was caught in a prostitute sting. He was caught with one. And it hit the front page. It was on all of the TV stations. He gave me permission to tell you um, about this. I won't mention his name, but, um, but it was the darkest day of his entire life of being exposed like that and having everybody in the entire city know what what took place but he would tell you if he was here he would stand up and say yes it was the darkest day of my life but it was the best day of my life because all of this darkness 
was just exposed. And I, it was like a huge wake-up call to me that I had to get help. I had to deal with stuff that I'd been hiding. I had to deal with stuff that I'd been lying to my wife about. I had to deal with things that, that, were, that I was just trying to keep hidden and try to keep uh, down. And, and I had to deal with it. And he has. And we have walked together. He asked me if I would um, just, you know, be with him and pastor him and mentor him uh, through this. And he said, and I, th- this is where I'm going with this. He, I think this is a very profound thing that he said that we can, many of us can relate to. He said, I believe the lie that if I confessed anything, I would lose everything. He thought that if I confess any of this sin, I'm going to lose my wife, I'm going to lose my family, I'm going to lose my ministry, I'm going to lose it all. I'm going to lose my reputation. And so he kept it all hidden. He kept it all uh, concealed. And God just blew it up and exposed it all. So I just say, if you have been spelling life, L-I-E, and hiding stuff, I just want to encourage you, number one, to admit whatever it is that you're hiding. Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with maybe a few around you that you trust. And then secondly, trust Jesus. This paralytic, he trusted Jesus enough that when Jesus said, get up, take up your mat and, and walk, he got up and he was healed. And, and, and so his question, do you really want to get well, was answered. And this guy was, was healed instantly. Um, so, so it, it's a matter of us admitting and then trusting Jesus and trusting that he's good. Um, I, I read this verse just last week um, in Psalm 33, 10. It says, everything that God does is worthy of our trust. So, trust him. Believe that he's good. We can trust him. He's faithful. And then thirdly, worship him. Be thankful. Be grateful. And live lives um, out of uh, out of a grateful Lord. I, I love you. I'm in awe of you. You're you're so amazing, Lord, and you're so faithful, and and I trust you. So admit it, trust Him, and um, and worship Him. Um, how many of you have ever gotten prayer here at the Vineyard or or, or anywhere? I know Adrian, you have today. Go ahead, stick them up. So we believe in prayer, don't we? We believe that it's important. And um, I don't know, Scott, if you have a, a prayer team or whatever, um, we're not going to have a, an open mic where everybody's going to come and tell their deep, dark, dirty stuff. That's not where I'm heading. That's between you and the Lord and maybe one or two or three close, close people. But I think Jesus is asking the same question. Do you want to get well? And you're the only one that can answer that. I can't answer it for you. But if you want to get well, I'd love for us to pray for each other. Maybe it's physically, maybe it's emotionally, maybe it's relationally. um, But I think he's asking that question.